Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Your day doesn't start when you turn off your alarm in the morning. Your day starts when you set the alarm the night before. Getting your butt to bed at a reasonable hour and then getting the shut-eye you need is key to having a good day. You already know this. With good sleep, you're going to feel closer to your partner. You're going to be more productive and creative at work. You're going to be more patient parent and even lose weight and be more satisfied in your life overall. Sleep is the answer to your happy life. I'm gonna be talking a lot about good sleep as it relates to your love relationships, but good sleep applies to all your relationships. All the benefits that help you be a better partner also help you be a better daughter, uncle, coworker, friend, boss, and parent. So what constitutes good sleep and how do you get it? What should you do if your partner snores? Stay tuned for all the answers in this week's podcast. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a number one Amazon best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven with over 30 years of experience helping people create connected and happy relationships. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in your relationship today. So let's get to it. Well, hello, welcome. So good to see you. So today is episode 102 of the Relationships Made Easy podcast, and I am your host, Dr. Abby Metcalf. Why sleep is the secret to great relationships is what we're covering today. I'm very excited about it. I've got tons of great information for you. And uh, since I want to give you everything because that's what I do, <laughs> but I don't want to keep you here all day with me because you'll stop listening. 
I have created, I'm really proud of it, an amazing free, free download for you that I'm calling Sleep Hacks 101. So in it, I'm going to have some of the things I'm going to cover today, like the stages of sleep, but I'll also be giving you a lot more tips for getting a good night's sleep. You know, one size doesn't fit all. And I just, there's a lot of really good tips and I from the research and I can't fit them all in the podcast today. So all those will be in the Sleep Hacks 101 uh, download and tips for my favorite, which is getting back to sleep if you wake up in the night. I am a woman of a certain age, and boy, the getting up in the night is a thing. I know that, uh, you know, if you're a little older and you're getting up to to pee or do something in the middle of the night, or even, you know, we had sex in the middle of the night the other day, and I couldn't get back to sleep afterwards. I got all sort of agitated. Um, it's worth it, I think, but you know what I mean. So for all those things, I'm gonna I've created this uh, sleep hacks 101 for you. You can download it here on the show notes page, abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast. This is episode one or one oh two. And there'll be a link on the show notes page for you to download it. As always, there's a corresponding blog and there'll be a link on the blog also. If you have someone you love who needs this stuff, but who doesn't like to listen to podcasts, you can always go over to the blog and check it out on my website. So here we are. So let's get into it. So I want to talk first about the stages of sleep because I don't think people always understand that. And then uh, really about what happens in the brain, you know, what some of the things you just really have to understand. And then we're going to get into, you know, why it relates to relationships. And then, of course, my great tips, some great tips for making it all happen. Okay. So stage one is, you know, there's five stages of sleep. So the first stage, stage one is so light that if you, if you got up during it, you might not even realize that you even been sleeping. Uh, researchers know, um, you get to the second stage because some some very sleep specific brain waves start to appear, but in that first stage, it's very different. So, um, in stage two, as you get into that and these different brain waves start to appear, you'll you'll know you'd been asleep if you wake up. So, if you woke up in stage two, you'd be like, "Oh, I was kind of asleep." Stages three and four, that's where we consider deep sleep. Uh, in three, the brain sends out long, these sort of long rhythmic bursts. They call them delta waves. You've probably heard of that. And stage four is known as slow wave sleep. Uh, <laughs> and so, as you might imagine, the brain waves are slow and deep in this stage. And stage four is this sort of deepest form of sleep. Your brain is very far from conscious thought. If you wake up during stage four, you're going to be disoriented unable to answer basic questions, and want nothing more than to go back to sleep. Uh, so, you know, uh, in the, I, of course, researched tons for these episodes, and a lot of the sleep researchers were calling stage four sleep drunkenness. And, <laughs> and then the fifth and final stage is REM, or rapid eye movement sleep. I'm sure you heard about that. And this is when most of your dreams occur, and it's the, it's, it's when so your brain is as active as it is when it's awake during stage five. Amazing, right? Your brain, your brain is very, very busy when you sleep. We thought really up until gosh, the 1950s that your brain just went to sleep, that it was doing nothing during this time. And now we know it's almost busier than when you're awake. So and here's let's talk about performance first. Sleep is more important than food when it comes to improving your performance. 
at your performance. Maybe I didn't sleep. I did sleep last night. I still can't speak. Sleep loss means mind loss. I want you to always think of it that way. Sleep loss cripples your thinking on every level. It hurts your attention, your judgment, your reasoning, your short-term memory, your mood, all of it, all of it. Negative events are getting processed uh, differently. So I talk a lot about the the amygdala, right? And that's where negative events uh, are processed in that part of the brain called the amygdala. And your positive or neutral memories are processed in a different part of your brain called your hippocampus. And sleep deprivation hits your hippocampus harder than it hits your amygdala. So So what does that mean? So what that means is that sleep deprived people have a hard time and even fail, completely fail to recall pleasant memories, but can remember bad ones, fine, totally fine. And you can imagine how this comes up in your uh, with your partner or anyone else when you're sleep deprived. And there was actually one uh, really famous experiment where these sleep deprived college students were asked to memorize a list of words. This is so important, get this. Um, and as it turned out, they could remember 81% of the words that had a negative connotation, words like, you know, cancer, <laughs> death, but they could only remember 31% of the words with a positive or neutral connotation, words like, you know, sunshine and happiness and rainbows and puppy dog tails. So get that. So that's what's happening in your brain. I know, a little, little terrifying, isn't it? Uh, other risks of sleep deprivation. And when we talk about sleep deprivation, it's really sleeping less than five hours a night. And I know there's people out there who say, I only need two hours a night. I only need three hours a night. I, I, I'm, I'm going to fight you on it. I don't need as much sleep as I think other people do. And we do all need different amounts of sleep, but it's within a range. And four hours ain't, ain't one of the ranges. So <laughs> and sleep deprivation, you run the risk of uh, weight gain, high blood pressure, a weakened immune system. Uh, a higher likelihood of getting into a car crash. I like that. They've they've correlated these things. And really an overall poor quality of life. I mean, how damn grumpy do we get when we don't have enough sleep? And again, when you sleep, your brain is very busy. It finally gets a chance to do all the things it couldn't do all day while you were keeping it occupied, right? Kind of like when you're, you know, when you how you feel when your kids go to bed and you finally get to clean the kitchen or <laughs> binge watch Game of Thrones or, or whatever you're doing. So when you sleep, your brain processes all the emotions and memories you had that day. When you wake up after a good night's rest, you, this is how you have the, the mental space to think clearly, to create new memories, to reason your way through the day. Remember, you wake up with all the will, willpower you're going to have for the day, and that's an exhaustible resource. And it's very much related to how much sleep you got at night. And you know this because if you had a crappy night's sleep and you wake up, you really don't feel like eating a super healthy breakfast. You know, if you had a choice of a bagel and um, uh, or, you know, steel cut oatmeal with uh, some flaxseed oil, you know, I know what you're going to choose. So I would never choose the oatmeal, I have to admit, but anyway. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? You, you, you wake up in that space and you, you know how that feels when you've had a crappy night's sleep. So when you don't get good sleep, your brain literally goes into this survival mode. And there's a, a great book called The Sleep Solution. I'll, of course, link to it in the show notes. Um, by a W. Christopher Winter. And and he says, sleep deprivation is like falling into an icy river. I thought that was so good. 
the your body shuts down circulation to all your appendages and it tries to keep your core warm. Isn't that amazing? That's what happens. So your brain's ability to do things gets whittled down <laughs> to the survival mode to find food, you know, pee and poop and get through your day. That's it. So, you know, being warm and loving to my partner, being patient with my kids, wanting to go do social things with my friends, remembering to pick up, you know, uh, the dry cleaning and all that, all that takes a backseat. Suddenly you're very forgetful. You don't want to be with anybody. You sort of turn inward um, and you get very impatient. And, uh, and Winter says, he says it really well, all the things it takes to make a relationship work are completely decimated by lack of sleep right? Think about that. And it's so true because we don't have all those things. So when you're sleep deprived, that part of your brain called your amygdala, which I talked about before, it it also ties your emotions to your memories. That's The amygdala is a very busy boy. And when you're sleep deprived, it actually malfunctions. And so this means that your brain will do things like produce more of a neurotransmitter uh, than it should, or less than a neurotrans of a neurotransmitter than it should. And remember, those neurotransmitters are your brain's chemical messengers. They're the things that you know, dopamine, serotonin, or, or adrenaline, or or uh, neuropronephrine. You know, we have they do all kinds of different things. They, you know, if if you uh, get in a car accident, or you know, if you see someone you love, right? Different neurotransmitters get released so that we act a certain way. Um, and we uh, relate to people in a certain way and to what goes on around us in a certain way. So these neurotransmitters, these are your brain's chemical messengers. And so again, can make you feel great, you know, can make you feel happiness, pleasure, or safe, or they can make you feel yucky, uh, you know, rage, depression, anxiety. All these things are related to your neurotransmitters. So when you're sleep deprived, even a little, you might overreact to something. You might gotten have gotten too much of a neurotransmitter, right, released. Or you might uh, feel numb. You might have gotten no neurotransmitter released and people are looking at you like, why are you acting that way when you, you know, sort of almost are disassociated from something that's happening. You might not have an appropriate response on some level, again, overreacting or underreacting. Or you might not even notice how someone else is reacting to something. You can't even like put that together. Poor sleep has been linked many, many times in multiple studies to depression, anxiety, and overreacting to life situations. And again, because that amygdala is making some pretty funky um, associations. <laughs> and by the way, there's going to be a ton of links to research in the blog post. Um, so if you want to, if you're really interested in all this, you can go to the blog and you can abbymedcalf.com forward slash, you guessed it, blog. And this is episode 102. I'm not going to be constantly saying what research and where, or you'll be bored silly. Um, I'll say it a few times, like if I've read a book about it, but other than that, you'll just have to kind of have to trust me mostly, uh, and, and, uh, go and look at the links when you get a chance. All right. So so bad events, uh, so bad sleep means you're more likely to overreact to situations, to events, to people, maybe that normally wouldn't even upset you, right? Wouldn't even bother you. And literally, right, making like a mountain out of a molehill because your reactions to things get amplified. And there was actually a great study I read um, with uh, a woman named Jennifer Martin. She's a clinical psychologist and behavioral sleep medicine specialist at UCLA. And she says, 
uh, this can lead to more conflict and less satisfying relationships, right? Uh, obviously, when you're overreacting to situations, when little things feel huge. And <laughs> she had a great quote, which is why I'm giving her a little time here. She said, if you've ever seen a two-year-old who skipped a nap, you can see a version of how we all react to sleep deprivation in terms of our emotions, right? I mean, think about it. That is very much the same thing. So but when you're well-rested, you make better decisions, you're more patient, you can really hear what your partner and your boss and your sister and your friend are saying because you can concentrate better. You can really focus. You can truly listen to what's being said. So, and just take a minute here. Hmm. Listening, focusing on the other person, patience, understanding. If these aren't basic building blocks, right, of any of any successful relationship, I'm not really sure what is. I, I don't know what to tell you. But I want to point out five ways sleep is good for all your relationships backed by the research. Okay. So just, I've said all this to you, but I want to really be specific here. Uh, sleep helps you be less angry and aggressive. Number one, that's, I think, probably the most important. It Poor sleep leads to, you know, this hypervigilance, being more quick to respond without thinking through the consequences or, or again, without really even understanding what happened and making those mountains out of molehills. So it helps you be less angry and aggressive, which how does that not help all of your relationships? I, I don't know. Number two way that sleep is good for all your relationships it ups your empathy game. When you don't sleep well, the part of the brain that helps you understand what others are feeling and uh, your ability to read their emotions and, you know, kind of have that understanding, it doesn't work well. It, it, it shuts down. So your empathy goes away. Big problem in relationships. Number three reasons, it helps you be reasonable and patient. Sleep helps you be reasonable and patient. Good sleep means you won't overreact to situations. You'll keep a steadier mood. You'll feel less stressed overall. Come on, all good stuff. Number four, it this is one of my favorites probably, it gives you more self-control. Sleep gives you way more self-control. And that's good for everything. Your Again, your relationship with everybody in your life, but also your relationship with yourself. It helps you act, not react. It have that pause button so you can choose things like kindness and love. And of course, think about it. More self-control means better choices with your eating, your drug and alcohol consumption, your ability to get your butt to bed that night so you can have another good night's sleep, right? All of it is related. And the fifth thing that's really interesting, again, backed by research, is that sleep makes you more grateful. It makes sense when I thought about it, but when I was reading the research, I thought it was interesting. So acknowledging what other people do for us is absolutely a big part of healthy, happy relationships. I've I've had other podcasts about this and research about this. Uh, but people who don't sleep actually report feeling underappreciated by their partners. So they don't they not only don't appreciate the people and are grateful for the people around them, but they then end up feeling very unappreciated themselves. And you can imagine how this creates big problems. And again, that could be at work, that could be anywhere. So hopefully I've made a really good case for you about sleep, about how much it's going to just really change your life, your relationships, everything. And, and it's always disturbed me how much we just sort of, uh, literally brag. Americans will brag about how little sleep they get. I, When you go to other countries, you know, when I've worked in other countries and done other work and lived in other countries, I have to tell you, it's 
embarrassing it really is to hear people brag to people from other countries about not getting sleep. I don't sleep. I don't need to sleep. I get two hours. People from everywhere else in the world that I've ever met are looking like, are you crazy? Why on earth are you? It's like, it's bragging about the most ridiculous thing. And we do need sleep and it is important and you've got to get it <laughs> because of all these things. I don't care how little sleep you think you think you need. If you are noticing, if you're having any problem in your relationship, and I would say you are if you're listening to me right now, if you, you know, anywhere in your life, if your life is so perfect, I don't think you're listening to my podcast. I know I'm fabulous, but you know, come on, you have better things to do with your time. Like, I don't know what perfect people do. What do perfect people do? Uh, but I'm sure you go doing the perfect things. If you're listening, there's some things that aren't working, and I really want you to be open to the possibility that not having enough sleep is one of them. And to me, it's one of the easiest things you can fix. It really, really is. And have the biggest, biggest bang for your buck. And I want to remind you, and I looked this up before <laughs> I researched the podcast this time, the number one form of torture in the world, according to Amnesty International, is still, yes, you guessed it, sleep deprivation. Why do you think it's the number one form of torture before they put burning bamboo shoots up your fingernails or pluck out your eyeballs with uh, pliers? They deprive you of sleep. This is the thing they do. It makes us do all the bad things. <laughs> so really, really please think about this. And I know I've got some new parents listening and I'm I'm sorry. You Sleep deprivation is one of the hardest things with new parents. Uh and so you can only do, you know, you got to take what you can with this, knowing that it'll end, knowing there's an end. But I'm going to, one of the tips I'm going to give you is very key to you new parents. So uh, it's key to everybody, but you new parents, you really need to listen to this one. Uh, but and I'll get there in a minute. So let's get into the tips. Five tips for great sleep. As I mentioned before, again, there's going to be a free download with a lot more tips. I think I must have 20 tips on that thing. Um, tons more tips. Again, backed by research is always with me. But the let's talk first about how much sleep you do need. I keep talking about sleep and not talking about how much. For adults, the you do need about eight hours of sleep each night. So somewhere between seven and nine. So, and I don't care if you don't act like an adult, but if you're an adult, <laughs> if you're over, you know, 18, let's even say over 20, you, you really do need to be looking at eight hours. You do not need 12 hours. You don't need 15 hours. You don't need those kinds of things. If you feel like you need that kind of sleep, you, uh, I really would want you to see your physician, a, a primary health person or, and or a psychiatrist because it's possible you're having either a physical problem that is causing you to think you need this much sleep or a mental health problem like depression that's causing you to think you need this much sleep. So I'd want you to check that out if you think you need uh, copious amounts of sleep. But again, seven to nine hours is pretty good for the vast majority of people. Um, so let's just say eight, because why not? Uh, kids, by the way, adolescents, the uh, magic number is nine and a quarter hours. So that's their magic number. That's what you're always shooting for. But um, Mary Karski, uh, I always say her name wrong. I'm sorry, Mary. Mary Karskaden, uh, she's uh, was at Brown University for a long time. I think she's still there. Oh, gosh. Uh, she is one of the world's leading sleep researchers. She's incredible. She's the sleep genie. Um, and uh, I, I've, again, quoted her a lot. But most of these come from her or some other reputable source. Um, okay. So... 
tip number one I'm going to give you is to reduce the blue light exposure in the evening. And here's the deal. So being exposed to light during the day is good, right? It's a good thing. But being exposed to it at night is a big problem. And uh, blue light, you know, the sun puts off blue light, uh, but so do your electronic devices. Blue light is also called uh, high energy uh, visible light, HEV light. You might see that sometimes. It's a type of light with short wavelengths emitting a a higher energy. And it penetrates deep into the eye and suppresses your natural release of melatonin, so it disrupts sleep, this kind of light. So again, besides sunlight, the most common sources of blue light are any kind of digital screen. So your regular TV, computers, smartphones, tablets, all that stuff. And the problem is that (laughs) more than 80% of Americans report using digital screens in the hour before going to sleep, which is we know has been shown to disrupt sleep patterns by because inc- it increases the alertness in your brain. That's your, the problem. Blue light tricks your body into thinking it's still daytime. So not time to sleep. So it, reducing blue light exposure in the evenings is crucial to getting a good night's sleep. It really, really is. And there's a bunch of ways you can reduce blue light exposure. Uh, so you could, there are glasses that block blue light and there's a little bit of controversy about this, uh, about the effectiveness of these glasses. A lot of folks, a lot of times the controversy is because it's being related to eye strain, not the sleep issue. So I will say that, but anything that's linked to the sleep issue shows that the glasses are a good idea, that it's it's effective. And I, I'm, I, I'll link to some uh, you know, both sides kind of stuff in on the uh, in the blog. But there was a 2017 study that showed, it was the University of Houston. Um, yeah, let me look it up. Yep. Uh, found that people wearing the glasses, these, these blue light blocking glasses, showed about a 58% increase in their nighttime melatonin levels. And melatonin, as most of you know, uh, is a sleep-inducing chemical naturally made by the body. You can also buy it. Um, my man loves the melatonin gummies. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get too into melatonin right now as far as like getting gummies or not. And that obviously could be a sleep aid, but they're not regulated. It, it's hmm, it, it, They have short-term effectiveness. Uh, it's really not necessarily something you can, I'd really rather that you did all the other tips before looking towards medications or, um, you know, melatonin or any of these other things because uh, you can, you know, create it yourself. So getting the glasses, you can look on Amazon or anywhere else. I don't, I'm not an affiliate for them or I don't get any money. So (laughs) go, go look it up and see what you like best. I didn't, I didn't go research the best glasses. Uh, You can also, there's apps to block blue light on your computer. Um, I can link to one of those, the one I use. Um. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And I'll link to that in the show notes and in the blog post. But you can also, you can get an app on your smartphone. Go to the app store and there's tons of apps for blocking blue light on your smartphone or tablet. So you can go get those. It's pretty easy. And you can also, of course, stop watching TV and avoid all digital devices two hours before going to bed. That's the deal. Two hours before you go to bed. And really, it's it's the right thing to do. And sort of uh, thinking about if you want to read, you know, the best way to do that isn't on your uh, I know I love my Kindle too, my little, you know, well, my iPad, whatever, with the little app. But um, really what's best is a book light, even not even having like a light light on because that's also stimulating. Um, but a book light, whatever little light is in there, it, the research shows is really the best, best way to go. So having a book light, reading in bed with a book, if you want to do that, um, again, diminishing that light, diminishing your stimulation from light sources is really, really good. So the more you can do that, the better. Um, have hot sex. Go crazy. Say you don't have time for sex. You got time for sex. You get all those hours you're taking away, not watching, <laughs> not looking at your phone. Um, but you know what I mean? Do do something else uh, if you can before that. Don't uh, exercise overly though right before bed because that's not good. And that'll be in my uh, the Sleep Hacks 101 download. You can read more about that there. I'm not going to talk about it here. All right. So that's tip number one, reduce the blue light in any way you can. Uh, and you can also put uh, different kinds of um, nighttime screens, on, like a lot of the screens that come on tablets and stuff have that blue light effective dimming thing. So if you feel like you have to, again, at the very least, do that. Tip number two, Wake up and go to sleep at consistent times. I would say this is probably the biggest. I have to tell you, it's huge. My life changed very dramatically when I started getting up and going to bed at the same time, more or less. And being consistent with your sleep and your waking times, it's really, I, it's what, not just I think, the research shows, it's really one of the best things you can do to help your ability to sleep and the quality of that sleep. Because remember, it's not just about sleeping, it's about the quality. So, and on the weekends, you can extend this by about anywhere up to two hours. And I do this with my kids too. So, you know, they have their morning, you know, time they get up in the morning for school and when they go to bed, right, on school nights. And then on the weekends, I extend it by a couple hours. But that's it. If they get way off schedule, it becomes a big problem. And I know a lot of parents let their kids sometimes sleep all morning or you do it for yourself. You're trying to make up on all the sleep debt you've had during the week, but you cannot make up more than about an hour, maybe 90 minutes of sleep debt at a time, according to the research. So that means that sleeping an extra five hours on the weekend is not helping you. It's not making up that sleep debt. If sleep an extra couple hours, that's fine. That'll help, but not the five. And if anything, if you notice, that's why you feel so tired when you get up. You're even more exhausted after that much sleep and that much time in bed because you are doing the opposite. You're starting to actually create 
yourself being more tired because you've literally gotten too much sleep at a time. Uh, so be, really be consistent. <clears throat> Again, think of those couple hours and that's it. And I do want to say a word about naps here. If, if you really need to make up for some sleep debt, it's actually better to take a nap than to sleep later because right? Sleeping later will disturb your your regular sleep cycle way more than a nap. But (laughs) nap in the early afternoon, so don't nap in the morning. Don't, you know, get up at eight and then nap at 10. That's that's not going to do your deal here. It's going to create, again, you being more tired. And I hate to tell you this, but again, the research shows you want to keep the nap to about 30 minutes. So 30 minutes. So, you know, sleep an extra couple hours on the weekend, tops, and then um, go to bed at your regular time in the weekend, or at least you know if you if you're out, maybe go to bed within two hours of when you normally would. Just just keep it keep it to two, and then throw in that thirty minute nap, and you're going to start to make up on any of the sleep debt. And once you start sleeping regularly, you don't have sleep debt, and you don't have to do that. It's sort of miraculous how it all works. So uh, there's your deal about naps. Okay, tip number three. Get your bedroom in the mood. <laughs> so there are a lot of things you can do to get your bedroom environment ready for you to catch some serious Z's. And the big ticket items to pay attention to are, there's there's like four of them. One is your temperature. Set the thermostat three degrees below your daytime norm. So, which is like 65 to 68 degrees for most people um, here in the States. That's Fahrenheit. I don't know what Celsius is for that. Help me out. Any of my folks from other countries. <laughs> um, your body temp naturally drops when you sleep and a cool room helps that along. Your, your body temp has to drop a full degree to fall asleep. So you really do have to keep the room as cool as possible, um, but not so cold, obviously, that you can't sleep. So uh, you know you don't have to use a thermostat. You can just open a, win- a window. The, the room just has to be slightly cool. And <laughs> this is probably one of the great arguments in couples uh, of time. And absolutely, my man Gary and I have, a, have an issue here because he runs super hot and I run cold. And uh, he likes the window open, the door open, the overhead, f- like a fan over the bed on. I mean, it is like... <laughs> There's stuff happening everywhere. And I, of course, sleep closer to the window. That's my side of the bed. And uh, so I'm getting hit with all the chilliness. So I have um, a bigger blanket on my side and uh, often, you know, so I can like put on more layers and he's often over there with like no blankets on. It's just, it's just how it runs. But you have to figure that out. Um, And it is, one of the things I do is make sure if you are someone who's like chillier, Make sure that you're warm before you go to bed. In other words, don't go to bed cold because you're so uncomfortable you can't fall asleep. You're so cold and you're just trying to get warm. It doesn't really work. I use heating blankets. I use all I use heating blankets all year round because I live in Northern California and it's always frigging cold here. Uh, so um, I used a heating blanket last night and it is the middle of our summer right now. It's frigging almost, it, it is, it's August 1st and when I'm uh, recording this and there you go. Isn't that crazy? So anyway, uh, so, uh, whatever you have to do to get warm that way, I'm already warm. Like I'm okay. When I go to bed, I'm not, I mean, I don't get myself overly warm, but I get, you know, make sure my feet are toasty. It's, it's really my feet and hands. And then when I get into bed, I'm, I'm at a good temperature. So when it cools, I'm all right. I'm not like 
freezing and then more freezing. So that's one of the ways you can do that. And of course, it's a good reason to snuggle up because Gary's nice and warm over there. He's like a heater. So it's great. Uh, <laughs> so uh, your temperature is a biggie. Noise is the other one. So make sure any external noises are at a minimum. Lots of research on this. Noise is a big, big problem. Uh, so, and you can use a noise, I know it sounds counterintuitive, but a noise machine is better. Uh, something that has a steady background noise is if you have noise outside that you, you know, it's just a problem, then steady noise in your room is much better. Um, and you can, you know, turn it to whatever works best for you for the noise, but don't really be mindful of that. It's, it's really important. And you might have maybe no noise when you go to sleep, but then it gets noisier during the night. So again, start with the sound machine and just leave it on all night so that when those noises happen, you won't, he hopefully won't hear them. The third uh, big ticket item is your lighting. So you want to minimize any lights in the bedroom and also uh, from the outside. So depending on where you live, if you have outside lights, if you're in an apartment complex maybe or in the city and there's lights outside, whatever it is, you really want to minimize that. So blackout curtains are really a great remedy, very smart to have. Um, or even within the bedroom, just be uh, aware like artificial lights, like uh, alarm clocks or your phone, all those kinds of things actually disrupt sleep. There's research on it, they disrupt sleep. So you want the bedroom uh, or wherever you sleep as dark as possible uh, for you to function <laughs> and get around if you have to, you know, pee during the night. But uh, you really don't want a lot, a lot of night lights and other things on. Uh, they really do disrupt sleep. So be mindful of that. And then the furniture itself, make sure your bed is arranged in the room in an area with the most sound minimization, the best sleep temperature, you know, think of those things. So actually the way Gary and I have, you know, me on the one side of the bed that's near the window is actually kind of stupid. Uh, we either should switch sides in the bed or, uh, you know, move the bed or do something because it doesn't really make sense for me to be sleeping closer to the window, right? Yeah. Anyway, um, so I should take my own advice. Is that what you're saying? All right, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll show you. So in addition, make sure the bed itself is comfortable. I have people who just don't spend money on a bed and I don't understand why. Um, bef before you spend money anywhere else, spend money on the bed. Get a real mat. You don't have to spend that much, but you got to get something that truly is comfortable for you and really helps you sleep. So it it's really just huge. Okay. And as part of that, I want to say, don't do anything in your bed besides sleep and sex. You don't want to associate your bed with anything that's about being awake. Your brain, trust me, puts all these things together. You don't, you know, you know how your brain works. If you're walking outside and all of a sudden you smell cinnamon, it's like, oh, what's that? Oh, cinnamon. Oh, what's that? It's something to eat. Let me go look. <laughs> Think you weren't even thinking of eating and all of a sudden it's there. So your brain takes cues from the environment all the time. And this is a big one. So you really want to make sure that your bed, your bedroom is, feels like a haven, feels like it's good for sleep. It's calm. It's lovely. Don't have boxes everywhere and crap piled up. Really think about that. Try not to have your office in your bedroom. I, I'm, you know, recording this in times of self-quarantine. I know that's hard for people, but I have to tell you, it's really not great to have that room associated with anything other than sleep. If you live in a in a studio apartment and your bed is right, you know, but again, then try to really only use your bed for sleep and sex and nothing else. Don't sit on it during the day. Don't hang out in your bed. 
find, create something else. I don't care how small your studio is, create something else where you can sit and relax. That's not the bed. Uh, so just think of your bed and your bedroom. Those are times to feel sleepy or sexy, but nothing else. Okay. All right. Tip number four, this, and this is for especially you new parents out there, but for everybody, let your partner sleep. Okay. This is a biggie. I've been rolling along, but I really want to stop here for a minute because I can't tell you how many people get jealous or upset about their partner getting good sleep. You need to cut that out right now. I'm going to just Jewish mother shake you. It is not okay. It is not cool. And it is not healthy. And it's not helping you. It is not helping you. You and your partner are a shared resource. I've said it once. I've said it a thousand times. You are a shared battery. Taking from your partner is taking from you. So, and I'm going to, and there's research to back me up on this. Okay. I'm going to tell you in a minute, but if at least one of you gets good sleep, that's a good thing. Don't compete or be jealous around your partner's sleep. You can't do it. Don't ask, and don't ask your partner to miss sleep so you can spend time together. Not a good idea. It's better to spend 30 minutes of truly awake time, truly connecting during the day than three hours of binge watching, you know, something on Netflix. I'm telling you right now. And again, research backs me up. Uh, maybe a phone call date at lunch, you know, something else. But it's not, there's a different way you to really connect, to really talk to your partner, to really have time with them. That is not about just sort of lazing around next to each other. That That's not what you want. And especially if it's keeping them from going to bed at a reasonable time. So the re- research shows that couples who have both slept less than seven hours were more hostile with one another than when it then when at least one partner slept more. When one partner had more sleep, the arguments were more likely to end with uh, positive construction, constructive results. How do you like that? So you really want to think about that. Now, I will say, having said all that, that the research also shows that women actually need about 20 minutes more sleep than men on average. So uh, I just worked, I'm working with this couple and just the other day, um, they have a caregiver right now who comes in during the day because they have little little babies, uh, little little children. Uh, like they're like one in three, and they have a caregiver comes in and uh, they have to go pick up the caregiver and bring her to the home, and then they both work in the home. And uh, I just put out there, I said, hey, have the husband go because he's up take the girls, take the kids with him to go pick up the caregiver to give the mom uh, just some, you know, half hour in the morning of alone time. And I told her, so I want you to sleep during a little of that so you can sleep later because you don't have to wake up the girls and get them ready and do all that. He can do that. So have a little more sleep and then have a little alone time where you're awake, not asleep, and, you know, working on some of her spiritual stuff, you know, journaling or listening to something motivating or just being calm and quiet with a cup of tea or whatever. But uh, but there's a good example of how to sort of make that happen and just really think about that. And you want to be happy for your partner in this way. Now, this brings us to a really important question. Can we sleep in different beds? Because having one partner, having both of you miserable because one partner has maybe sleep apnea and the machine is making all this noise or they snore all night or they just are all over the bed, you know, moving and shaking. So 
I'm going to say, I'm giving you a definitive answer today. How do you like that? Can you sleep in separate beds? Is it healthy for your relationship? Yes, it's fine. And because research has shown this, that when you, that if you share a bed, about 50% of any sleep disturbance you have is caused by your partner. And there's a, it's a book I read, uh, Dr. Neil Stanley, How to Sleep Well. If he says, if they're disturbing your sleep because of snoring or fidgeting, you may want to consider separate beds or even a separate bedroom. So if it's just the fidgeting, I would tell you, think about a separate bed. Think about one of those beds. I don't know if they really work, but they have those beds where you have like a different, I think it's a different sleep number on each side, you know, where apparently if someone's moving around on one end of the bed, you can't feel it in the other. I don't know if that's true, but you got to do something. And because getting sleep is a top priority. So you just want to make sure you get lots of close time in other ways, right? Do in other ways. And I, and I do want to say about a word about sex and snuggling here, you know, if you're not, if you're sharing a bed or not. And I will tell you, my man is a snuggler. He's a snuggler. <laughs> he wants to be right up on me when we're sleeping. Now, he's about 6'4 and 210 pounds, I'd say. So I can, and I'm not tiny, but I'm not close to that. So I can sometimes feel just a wee bit squished by his eagerness, by his love. <laughs> and But, you know, I'm not going to complain, right? Try, I, I have tried to complain to my girlfriends on that. You know, all he wants to do is touch me and be close, right? A lot of eye, cue the eye rolls, very little sympathy. Anyway, but interestingly, so I'm going to tell you this. So the research supports Gary's snuggling habits, my man's snuggling habits. In one study, they found that 94% of couples who touched while sleeping reported being happy in their relationship compared to about 68% who didn't touch while sleeping, right? But so snuggling is great for your relationship, but sleep itself is more important, even more important. So I, so what I say to that is start off in bed together. So no matter what, even if you have separate bedrooms, separate beds, whatever, start off in bed together. Go to bed at the same time. Even if you go to bed at the same time and then you have more work to do and you have to get up and go work, do that. That's fine. But make that connection. Get in bed at the same time, snuggle up, have some hot sex, whatever you're going to do, you know, and then it's okay to separate so you can get that great sleep. So so you can be a loving, patient partner in the morning. You can sneak back in bed the, in the next morning for morning sex if you want, whatever you got to do. Uh, but really, I really want you to think of this. I have a lot of couples who just think in their heads, it means we're going to get divorced or separated if we sleep in separate beds. And I, I think it, the resentment I hear from partners because their partner, you know, from let's say a woman because her husband is snoring uh, all night or fidgeting all night or is wearing, has one of those CPAP machines or whatever. I'm like, what are you doing? This is not healthy. And you're miserable in the morning. You're exhausted. They end up trying to sleep during the day. It's, it's just a mess. It's not worth it to sleep in bed together. And, you know, maybe it's finally time to do something about the friggin' snoring. There are ways to fix that. So, but this podcast isn't about that. So, okay. So that was tip four. I put a lot in that tip, didn't I? Yes, I did. Thank you very much. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast. Hit that button, whatever. <laughs> tip five, my last tip. This is the one that probably gets the most pushback, but I'm doing it anyway because I'm not afraid of you. I love you and I want you to really get this. So uh, here we go. Tip five, get your smartphone away from your bed or bedroom. Uh-huh, I said it. You heard me. 
If you want good sleep, you've got to put the phone away. And I'm not just talking about that blue light. That blue, I don't care. You say, oh, I got the app, Abby. I don't have the blue light. Uh-uh. And by a way, I mean away. Your phone and everything on it is engineered, engineered to keep you using it and to keep you stimulated. That's what it's engineered for. All the apps, all the stuff on your phone create a compulsive, compu- you know it's compulsive. You know you're looking at stuff when you shouldn't. You know that you're, you look up from Instagram and go, oh my God, I was on there for like an hour. Holy crap, right? Oh, those YouTube videos. How did I go down the YouTube video rabbit hole? What happened? It happens to me too. I'm not perfect. I know what you're talking about. I feel your pain. All of it creates a compulsive desire, a compulsive need to continue checking, responding, refreshing, uh, scrolling, reading, posting, clicking, playing. (laughs) That's what it's all about. It feels good. And you've literally, and I mean literally, have a limitless, limitless opportunity for more and more stimulation. You, You can't have this and go to sleep well. It just, again, study after study after study show that it interrupts sleep. And again, not just from the blue light, but because of this desire, the brain's need to know new information. Remember, we have those ancient brains. And if you, if if 2 million years ago, I knew, or 200,000 years ago, or 2,000 years ago, or 200 years ago, if I knew, you know, all the latest information that there was, you know, uh, that there was a storm coming, that, that, that there was a, a, a marauding band of thieves uh, in the neighborhood that, uh, you know, I knew when to plant the crops, whatever, if I knew crap, I was going to survive better. So your brain is just geared for anything new, for that novelty, for understanding, for getting new information. And again, your phone, that's all it does. That's all it gives you. It's not healthy. You don't need it, but it's there. So I know it's hard to put it away, but you have to do it. Now, I know some of your excuses, you know, I oh, I use my phone as an alarm clock. We'll, we'll stop. <laughs> they, they sell alarm clocks. They sell them. They're there still. Um, If you don't want one, make sure, again, if it has a digital light, that it's uh, either the light is off or dimmed or pointed towards, you know, like a wall away from you. But you, you could, so you could buy one. Or if you have to use your phone, put it way across the room. I would really rather that you charge your phone outside your bedroom, that it was just sitting in another room. Now, I have children. I have teenagers. So I can't leave phones charging outside because they will use them because they're crack, you know? phones are like crack. So I do have those charging in the bedroom, but I have it like off to the side. And again, everything's on off. The phone is literally powered down. Their phones are literally powered down at night. So there's absolutely no chance of anything lighting up or them forgetting to turn off the do not disturb or whatever. I literally power them off. You can do that too. (laughs) But if you feel like you must have it in the room, across the room, make sure you have the do not disturb on the airplane mode, all those things so that you will not, I, I have do not disturb because people will tell me all the time, I'm so sorry, I, I texted you in the middle of the night. I'm like, I don't care. I didn't hear it. I don't hear it. I don't know about it. The other excuse I hear a lot is, well, what if there's an emergency? Someone calls, there's an emergency. I got to have my phone. Uh-uh. <laughs> so, First of all, what emergency is this that you couldn't figure it out in the morning? I get, if you're a, okay, so if you're a surgeon listening to me, 
if 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 you work at NASA and and, and you have to know when to hit the button to to send the bombs, I, I don't know. Like really, like no, stop it. If if there's just when, let me ask this: When is the last time you had an emergency in the middle of the night? A true one, a true one where someone called and said, "Oh no, Jimmy fell down the well. We have to get there." Right? Is that Lassie? I don't remember. Anyway, when was that? You let me know. I bet it was never or it was once 10 years ago. And I have to tell you, you don't have to, you just don't have to. But if you really, really feel you do, you can do what I do, which is I have a landline. I do. I have an old school landline. You can have a landline. They come bundled these days in with all your, you know, whatever other internet you have. You can get it bundled in pretty easily. But I do have actual phones. I do have actual uh, landline. And people who, you know, my mom has it, like people who are close to me have it because who else is calling with an emergency? That would be the only thing, right? Someone would look in my mom's for her, you know, in case of emergency, they'd see the two numbers. They'd try my cell phone. It would be off. I wouldn't hear it. And instead, they would try the other line because they would because it's right there. And they would try that. And guess what? I'd hear the phone ring and I'd answer it. Um, I don't, I just, it's, there's just not, y- you can't use that. I don't know what else to say. I'm not, I'm not having it. I'm not having it. I'm not having it. So <laughs> let that go. So the stimulation of your smartphone just makes it very hard to put down. And that's the very, that's that overactivated response that actually disturbs your sleep. So I want you to figure out a way that you can get the phone either out of your bedroom completely at night or stop using it, you know, not using it right up until you go to bed because it's really hard to stop using. It's just really hard. Uh, Or have it in your room again, but have it far away. Okay. So that's it. I know. Well, that's it. Please. I gave you so much. Uh, again, there's a lot more hacks, a uh, lot more about sleep that on the free download. So come on over to the website, abbymedkef.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 102 for your sleep hacks 101 uh, download where I cover all this in, uh, in bright, shiny lights. And uh, that's it. And uh, 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 I'm going to start saying, uh, (laughs) thank you so much as always for spending time with me. I love our time together. Let me know as always, if there's something you really want to hear about on the podcast and I will talk to you real soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything, you can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.